Hello and welcome to episode two of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to capture an escaped ocelot named Babu. This week's theme is animals, so please excuse us if things get a little wild. We'll be discussing games we've played recently, like CO2, Tack, Carfoom, and Runebound. We're going to talk about an accessory that will make your life easier if you have pets, and some games that we love that have animals in them. And now, here are your hosts, Andy, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. So first we're going to talk about games we've played recently. I was able to go to KublaCon last weekend, and I played a bunch of games. I played 25 different games total, 10 of which Holy were Holy crap, 25? <laughs> yeah. I was you, uh, pretty you busy. You had a busy weekend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk about two of the games now, and then I can talk about more of the games in future podcasts. But So first of all, I was able to play CO2, which is a Vital Lacerda game. He made games like Kanban, Vinhos, and The Gallerist, which are all heavy Euro games. So CO2 is a similar heavy game, but it's probably his lightest game. And the game is a semi-cooperative competitive game where everyone's trying to make green power plants and make a profit off of it, but we also have to work together to make sure that the world doesn't die from CO2 levels. And in CO2, you're building factories and it takes three steps to build a factory and each turn you can only do one of the steps so in order to save the world you have to work together but in order to make a profit you only get points for actually completing the factory so for the last step and so there's a mix but there's a balance between trying to get money and also trying not to have everyone lose so that was pretty fun that's uh that definitely sounds interesting yeah so for me, I actually spent too much time trying to make sure we didn't all lose while everyone else was building factories and getting a profit. <laughs> so I, th- I might be too nice for this game, <laughs> but I still I would want to try, try it again. I have problems like that in a lot of games that are semi-cooperative. Like I kind of, I, 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 my focus is on the greater good as well. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think I'm better at fully cooperative games or fully competitive games. But it, it was very interesting and yeah, different. So that was CO2? CO2, yeah. And then another game that was specific to KublaCon was there was a giant version of TAC, which is a new game. It was just recently kickstarted, and it's a game based on the Patrick Rothfuss's Kingkiller Chronicles which is a fantasy series, and it's an abstract game. So in the, in the game tack, you want to connect opposite sides of a board by placing your pieces down, but you can also move your pieces and stack your pieces on top of other pieces. So you can build this tower of pieces that have your pieces and your opponent's pieces, and whoever's on the top controls the stack. And so I thought that was really interesting. Normally I don't like abstract games, but this one played in like 10 minutes, and it was actually pretty fun. That does sound kind of neat. Yeah, it also helped that at KubaCon it was a giant version, so instead of like coin-sized pieces, it was each piece was like the size of a book. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> that was pretty fun <laughs> to play. If you supersize almost any game, I think it gets exponentially better. Like, the the big King of Tokyo games that they take around to conventions, like, yeah. who doesn't love controlling that, like, you know, giant gorilla or whatever? <laughs> yeah, life-size <laughs> games are great. 
<laughs> okay, so I played recently a game called Parfum, which I played first at Origins last year and ended up picking it up then. Uh, I started taking it to my regular board game night just because I am a fan and not many people seem to be very familiar with it. And Parfum is mostly a set collection, so you're building these perfumes and multiple perfumes at a time and trying to get like the nobles that are in the in your town to purchase your perfume and whoever has the most victory points near the end wins there's lots of dice rolling to get the uh, fragrances that you're trying to create to get the people to purchase your perfumes so lots of dice rolling lots of set collecting it's uh, I really enjoyed it I think it's a fun little game Oh, so, so the game does not stink? <laughs> the game does not, in fact, stink. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Let's bring out the dad jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, I've, I've got dad jokes for days. Uh, that's really, honestly, all I've played recently. <laughs> all right, hey, that's, it sounds really fun. Uh, that's, I haven't tried either one of, oh, yeah, all three of those games, so I'll have to look all of those up. Something that I played recently is the third edition of Runebound. The third edition was published last year by fan- 2015 by Fantasy Flight Games. It's for two to four players and has a listed playtime of two to three hours. And that playtime is definitely accurate to the, for the most part. Obviously, less players, shorter playtime, more players, longer. But I've got some background regarding this game because... I was first introduced to modern board games back in 2007 by my friend Ben in Kansas City. Shout out to him. He and a group of our coworkers uh, all worked the graveyard shift at a casino, and on one of our days off each week, we'd all meet at Ben's house to play board games. And the second edition of Runebound was one of the games that Ben introduced me to, and it was one of the first board games that I was just fully blown away by. You know, like the story and the epic adventure and it takes hours to play and it was just something unlike anything else I'd ever experienced. We'd play for hours. It would seem like no time had passed at all. But I moved away from Kansas City and I never bought a copy of the game for myself because it came hard to come by. So when they announced that they were doing a third edition last year, uh, I was super excited. I bought it pretty soon after it was released and then it sat on my shelf because I was kind of scared to play it. Like, it had been, at that point, eight years, now nine years since I was playing it a lot. And I wasn't super familiar with a lot of games back then, so I was worried that it wouldn't live up to my high expectations. And a week or two ago, I finally, finally broke it out. And I am happy to report that it is just as wonderful as it was nine years ago. For those who aren't familiar with Runebound, it's an epic fantasy adventure game where players are controlling characters who they have to explore the map, go on quests, collect items, and fight bad guys, all in an effort to make their character powerful enough to be able to take on a specific scenario's final boss. And the new edition of the game actually utilizes a very unique combat system that rather than being dice-based is token-based. You flip these tokens onto the board based on what equipment you have, and then you spend those tokens one at a time in combat. So it's more strategic than just plain old dice rolling. And I was kind of weirded out by it at first and ended up really liking it. So 
I generally, I could talk forever about this game. I love it so much. I have no idea exactly why. I can't explain in any succinct fashion why this game is so good for me. It just scratches the right part of my brain. Uh, if I'm going to play a long game, this is definitely one of my go-tos. And if you like games like that are very adventurous feeling, this is definitely one that I would recommend people check out. And the new edition is great. Uh, I've heard that they have some expansions coming out at Gen Con this year. I think there's one scenario expansion, and then there's another expansion that now off the top of my head I do not remember, which I could look up real quick. But, um, oh, somebody two hours ago was posting in a thread that says two more expansions announced. So there's wow. definitely, and that was one of the downsides to the new edition, is uh, Room Down 2nd Edition had a lot of expansions. So I think people were kind of hesitant to get the third third edition because there's less content. And I will admit that the two scenarios that come in the box will not last you forever. They're not one-time things, but you this is the type of game where you want to experience new stuff every now and then. So... I will be picking up the expansions for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure with Fantasy Flight, there's going to be plenty more of expansions. They they do tend to do that, <laughs> don't they? Yes. <laughs> I, there are even, it's funny because people were speculating about that. I looked in the rule book in a couple different areas in the base game. It's already talking about blah, 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 in future expansions, this and that. <laughs> so they, they knew from the get-go that that's what they were going to do with this, which makes me happy. So that was that's Runebound third edition. Nice. All right. So uh, our accessory of the week this week, tying into our theme of animals, we were a little bit like, okay, so what accessory is animal related? And we all kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. And uh, I think, Ambi, I think it was you that actually came up with the idea. Oh, I did? I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) I'll take the credit, sure. Yeah, you get get all the credit. Uh, uh, Like, board game storage, ways to protect your games from animals. Because if you have pets and you have board games, that could be either a very lovely marriage or a disastrous one. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't actually have any pets. So I don't have much experience in so you're dead to us. how to protect just, <laughs> yeah, yes. I just store my games in bookshelves right now. I'm planning on getting Calyx shelves when I move in September to a new house. I don't need to worry about animals. Uh, I can speak from very recent experience that the Calyx shelves are lovely. I just got my very first one. I got the 5x5, five five, the largest one Ikea offers. And I was able to put it together almost entirely by myself just because of its size and weight. I had to utilize my husband a couple different times to shove some (laughs) of the things together. But it was very simple to put together and looks great. And yeah, it's got my board games off the floor, which is a plus. Cassidy, I know you have a dog. Do you do anything in particular to protect your games from Boomer? (laughs) Um, Not really. I have my board games on a crazy giant wire shelving unit that I got at, like, at Lowe's. For the longest time, I kept the office door shut so he wouldn't come in because he did like to chew on boxes. And I found this out because I borrowed a copy of Mage Wars from a friend of mine and Boomer chewed up the 
box and oh, no. the rule book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and of course he goes straight for the borrowed game, not one of your right, games. Right. Right. So I have actually been pretty lucky in the fact that none of my games have really been damaged by the animals. Though as many people with cats are familiar, they will sit in any open box they find. If they fit, they sit. Absolutely. <laughs> Even if they don't fit, they sit. I know that obviously shelving units are an easy go-to, and that's a great way to display games as well as protect them. I have some friends that uh, keep their games in plastic tubs. Uh, I think especially if you live maybe in a more humid climate, keeping the games sealed up is also potentially helpful, not just from pets, but from the elements. If you're going to be transporting your game in your car or anything like that. So yeah, like uh, responsible board game owners, you got to keep that stuff uh, away from the pets. I had a friend over playing Descent, the first edition of a Descent, a year or two ago. And um, he had the box sitting on the floor with all the pieces that we weren't using in the game. And we were playing Descent, which takes a while, and we were focused on the game. And then I look over, and one of my dogs had taken, like, two or three of the room tiles out of the box and eaten, like, half of each one. I I don't know if, like, (laughs) the dog was trying to find the right one to eat. Uh, And I felt really bad. (laughs) Luckily, because Descent is so modular and you almost never use all of the pieces at once, my friend... James kindly was not upset, did not uh, ask for replacements or anything, even though I offered. But yeah, don't put your board games on the floor if you have dogs that like to chew up paper products. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) No bueno. So, since our theme is animals this week, we also wanted to kind of mention a few games that we enjoy that have animals in them or are about animals in general. What games do you ladies like that uh, have a little bit of the wild side in them? I like Cheeky Monkey. It is a 2007 game. It has multiple versions. I think the version now actually comes in a bag that is shaped like a monkey, a little stuffed animal monkey. But it is a press-your-luck game. So in Cheeky Monkey, you're taking chips out of a bag, and each chip is a different zoo animal. There are ten monkeys in the bag, nine hyenas, eight, seven, six, five different animals, down to three elephants. And if you draw two of the same animal, then you bust and you have to put them all in. Otherwise, you get to keep them. And also, if you draw a monkey, you can trade it with someone else's chip, and they make a stack of chips after they keep their chips. And then, so if you draw... A monkey, you get to trade it with them. And then when you draw the same animal that's on the top of their stack, you get all of the animals that are matching. So you're trying to get the most animals. And if you keep drawing too much, then you'll probably draw two of the same animal and get nothing. So it's just a quick filler, press your luck game. And that's Cheeky Monkey. It's really fun. I've never even heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. (laughs) Me either. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my friend has it. And... We we also can play it with kids because kids love little animals and it's not that hard of rules, but it only takes like 10 minutes to play and it's, re- it's really funny just trying to keep grabbing animals when you have like five different animals out there <laughs> and you know you're going to be drawing the same animal again soon. That's pretty cool. It's kind of like... Um 
similar to like ink and gold that whole like when you're flipping over the the monsters that are going to be in the cave or the dungeon or whatever it is you're in like if you get two it's a bad thing there too or mm. so kind of similar in nature to that yeah i haven't played ink and gold but i assume it's simpler it's it's pretty simple very press your luck ish i guess it's kind of animal related because the um basically everybody is an adventurer going down into this cave looking for treasure and you either every round all you do is decide whether you're staying in or you're turning tail and heading back out and (laughs) the people who leave get to collect treasure that's already been revealed so, like, if you're the only one that leaves, you get to take everything that's been revealed already. But if mm. a whole bunch of people leave at the same time, they have to split it all up. But, yeah, every round a creature is flipped over, and it could be, like, a snake or something else. And if two creatures show up, then all the treasure goes away and everybody goes back out. And you don't get to keep any of the treasure you found in the cave that you didn't go out with. So, uh, okay. it's it's pretty much, it's a, it's a classic game. It's kind of a standard. It's very simple to play, but a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of those push your luck games are fun. They terrify me. They make me <laughs> super anxious. <laughs> oh, so anxious. So the only animals in game I could even think of or games that had an animal in it that I could think of that I have played was Takinoko. Because seriously, who doesn't love a tiny little panda figure? Uh, spoiler alert, everyone loves tiny pandas. <laughs> So I got the expansion for that, actually, at Gen Con last year, which has a tiny little lady panda figure. And the tiny little panda figures make tiny little panda babies, which unfortunately are not on um, figures. They're just little victory points you get. So I was a little bummed. I was hoping Uh to have tiny, tiny little baby panda figures all over the board, (laughs) which didn't end up being the case. But uh, Takinoko is uh, a game where you're building a zen garden and you have to make sure the panda that lives in your garden stays fed but while still keeping your garden beautiful. So you're controlling a gardener and the panda and you have several actions you can take during your turn to feed the panda, to build new pieces of your garden, to water parts of your garden... And everybody has different objectives to meet um, throughout the game. So whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game, or at the end of Takinoko, they will uh, be the winner, obviously. Victory points. Winning. That's the thing. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, But it's a cute little game. Um, I got to actually see the large version of it, and I really desperately wanted to buy it because it was a giant panda figure but it was well out of my budget the collector's edition it's like $300 or something yeah it's crazy (laughs) I actually I don't have a lot of games in my collection that have animals in them which is surprising because I like animals quite a bit but one game that I I played for the first time back in March that I actually just bought for my own collection a couple weeks ago is Beastie Bar New Beasts in Town It's a standalone expansion to the game Beastie Bar, which I've actually technically never played. I've only played the standalone expansion. I got to play it with the Dice Tower guys at MeepleCon here in Vegas. Both Z and Sam were playing in the game, and they were helping teach it to us. Basically, it's a game where... 
there are a whole bunch of different animals. There's 12 different animals. They're all on, it's a card game. And they are attempting to get into a bar called Heaven's Gate. And they're standing in line outside the bar. And every round, only the first two animals in line get into the bar. And the one that was last in line gets doesn't get to go in at all. He's gone from the game. And <laughs> and each animal has individual powers that when they enter the line that happen. And they're all very thematic, which is kind of where the fun of the game comes in. Like the when the bear comes into the line, he drags the animals with the lowest value, number, numerical value, out of the line. So those two go to the back of the line behind him. Mm. The llama is my favorite because when it enters the line, it, it's, uh, it has a recurring power that occurs every round. It spits at the animal right in front of it and <laughs> disgusts it so much that it goes behind the llama. So every round, the llama moves up one place in the line. Wow. <laughs> uh, and there's 12 different animals. They all have a different power. Everybody has a deck of their own cards with each animal in them. So, But you draw only a certain number at a time. So you don't always have all of the animals available to you to play. So there's definitely some strategy in choosing like which ones you're going to play, which ones you're going to use. I've heard that the original Beastie Bar, the, uh, the powers were a little simpler. So it was a little more accessible to new players or to younger players. And that this one is a little more strategic only because you have to kind of learn all 12 powers before you start playing. That being said, for me as a average, normal, modern board gamer, it was not hard to pick up at all. I think for non-gamers or for kids, there would probably be a little bit of a learning curve there. But for a standard gaming group, I think it's pretty easy to teach. And it's it's a lot of fun and it's pretty quick to play. So that is Beastie Bar, New Beasts in Town, which can be combined with the original Beastie Bar. I might actually have to pick that up and try that, because then you can mix up the powers from the different animals. Interesting. <laughs> For this week's board game etymology, I'm going to discuss the origins of the word meeple, since it's about as close to an animal mascot as we have in the hobby. While most of the words uh, I'm going to be discussing in this segment have roots that go back hundreds and hundreds of years, Meeple was actually coined in November of 2000 when Allison Hansel fused the words my and people to describe the tiny wooden figures used in the game Carcassonne, which Cassidy talked about during our first episode. Yay. Yeah, right? We, we're tying it all together. <laughs> the... Uh, the creators of Carcassonne didn't come up with the term, but they definitely latched onto it when it became popular and used the term meeple in future printings of the rulebook. Obviously, Carcassonne has had a lot of printings because it is very popular. Other games then picked up the word, started using it as well. And the use of the word meeple is so widespread at this point that it's even used to reference little wooden figures that aren't people, like animals and other things such as that. And that's how I tie it all back into the animals episode. Yes. Animeeples are great. Oh yeah, I played something and they actually referenced the sheep as sheeple. That's that's pretty much adorable. I really can't remember what game it was now. There's a few games that have sheep or animal wooden creatures in them. Yes, I like playing with them. 
<laughs> I, uh, and I'm also proud to say that in a recent episode of the Dice Tower podcast, Tom Vassell was saying that people who create new podcasts shouldn't use the word meeple in the title because it's overused right now. Yes, and I heard that. <laughs> we, I know, we had already come up with our title at that point, and I was like, whew, all right, we're, we're in the clear as far as Tom Vassell's concerned. Well, I don't actually know that, obviously, but we didn't use the word meeple, so we're not one of the crowd, I suppose. Although but, we did use board game in the title. I, I mean, that's for Kind of hard to avoid that. <laughs> that's for search and Google purposes. Like, I, I think that that one is forgivable. Because if we were just like, like random word blitz, then no one would ever <laughs> be able to find us. <laughs> True. We, we have to give some people something to go off of. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, www.boardgameblitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, and Board Game Geek Guild. Have suggestions for the show or want to yell at us about something ridiculous we said? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, don't listen to counterfeits, just stick with the Blitz. We're just going to keep making up ridiculous taglines until something brilliant occurs, so bye everyone. Bye! And welcome to episode two of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all... I just hit my ear, like my headphones while I was saying that, but I don't... <laughs> I'm flinging my arms around like a crazy woman. <laughs> I'm going to start that again. <laughs> oh...